Welcome to the Greg Ferraselli Podcast. We are brokers and investors working heavily in the real estate game and have met extraordinary people along the way who are doing amazing things to help their peers and their communities grow. We are excited to give you revolutionary ways to live your best life. We are rocking and rolling. I am excited about today's show. I'm so excited. I'm good to see the, the wallpaper. Yeah, that's how I get people to come over. I'm like, come see the wallpaper. But yeah, I love it. I love I'm it. excited because I've known you for, I mean, probably since I started this game four or five years ago. You were, you know, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. you were kind of one of those people like, I'm looking for this, put me on your list. And you were on my list for years. And finally, you're like, hey, let's get together. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was, you know, and then we had so much in common. It was uh, definitely good to connect with you in that way. And I just know that you have tons of value to, for you. a lot of people. Thank you. And I would love to hear, like, you know, what kind of, like, tell me about you. Well, you know, I relocated here from Carlsbad, California, San Diego area. How long ago was that? That was eight years ago. Okay. The recession was not kind to me. I made a lot of money in the 2000s. I mean, I bought one piece of dirt for four million bucks. I so targeted the market that a private money lender loaned me $3.9 million on the dirt. And I brought in some investors and some of my capital and we re-entitled it, moved the road from here to there and moved everything onto the freeway and sold it seven months later for $10.1 million. And I did that over and over again for several years. Yeah. And that brought me into the things that I love. I'm a dirt guy. Right. So you just love the dirt. I love the dirt. And there's a key component, talking about real estate stuff for just a bit, net residual land value. It's a simple formula, especially in fix and flip. You know, it's it's the ARV, you know, what's it worth when you're done? So it's net residual land value. How do you, what does that mean? It means that you take all of your cost plus your profit excluding the land and you add it together go to the front end and see what is it worth when you sell it on a capex of whatever apartment building would matter and subtract it and whatever's left over for the land in multifamily and seniors housing and retail office it's a pretty lengthy process but it's as simple as that so you're trying to, okay, so are you trying to determine the appreciation when you sell it or the new value when you develop it? New value when you develop it. Okay. You've got to know your market. Yep. You've got to know what it's worth. Doing what you used to do years ago and you still do some of that in the fix and flip. You figure out what's the house really going to be worth next door Yeah. and come up with some comps and say, I want to offer this because I'm going to spend this and I need this much margin on my profit. That's net residual. I mean, you think it's of land, and form. it's like, yeah, you, you do the development, and it and it takes some time, and it takes some money and expertise, but I feel like that the return is so high on something like that, and you just wonder, like, why don't more people do it? Especially because, you know, if you're like, I do some rezones and stuff, I, I I push some paper and spend some fees, and it's like worth twice. And I don't, it's not like I don't have a rehab budget. I just have yeah. expertise. Why do you think people kind of stay away from? Why are more people doing stuff like that? On, on the, it's a valuable question, Greg. From a from a proposition of regional and national 
people that are going to buy that product. It's a multifamily, 250 units. You really, they don't want to take the time because where's their value when they get sticks in the air? They want yeah. to be able to go pull the permits or they're going to ask you to hold the contract for 18 months so they can get the permits and right. do their own due diligence. And they won't give you any money until they do the due diligence. So that the value that Mid-South brings to the table is we do all of that up front. So Mid-South, is that like a, a development company that you work, that is your development company? It is. So let me tell the story. Please, go. Let's hear it. <laughs> I am 71 years old. Um, married 51 years. Congratulations. That's, that's... Yeah, she's an amazing woman. <laughs> Just put up with me, especially in those first 10. <laughs> I was out buying houses. I owned 65, 70 different properties throughout the city of Portland and I very rarely went to the ball games, so, so I had my tax to pay for that. Yeah. And, and you know, you build a relationship, you get strong, you figure it out, and then you learn that the woman really knows a lot more than you think. <laughs> so we want to we'll cut that out later. <laughs> <laughs> well, she surely held me accountable, and so you know, we we moved to California in the mid eighties. Okay. Lived in the so thousand. Both you moved from Portland to there. Got it. Yep. And uh, lived in Beverly Hills, lived in Studio City, lived in La Jolla. Had a fantastic life out in California. We bought uh, what I thought was, this is an interesting story. So in 1995 or six, I put a contract on a piece of dirt. I thought it was about a three-quarter acre piece of dirt. And I sent it in to Skip for the title company to give me the report, see what I, Skip, this Six lots here. I think you goofed. <laughs> no, Jeff. <laughs> That's what you bought. We bought six ocean view lots, six blocks from the beach in San Diego County. I built this big in-your-face greenhouse. We sold off two lots for twice what we paid for all of it. By the time it was done, the house was worth three and a half million bucks. And that put me into the land hunt. Yeah. And, you know, in California, it's a high barrier to entry. Yeah. You know, Greg Lamarca, my dear friend, and now my partner, um, is moving some of his activities, a lot of his activities out here to the southeast. And what I learned in that process is that I kind of fell in love with senior housing. Okay. It was in 2002, 2003. And we had our arms around several deals, even Greg and I up in San Francisco. During the recession, you couldn't get equity. You sure. couldn't get that. Great value, but so what? You can't, you can't finance can't it. It's the first one of your first questions. Right. Can you finance the darn thing? If you can finance it, you can easily go get the equity. But uh, I came into it from a personal level because my mom had Alzheimer's and watched her go slowly. And a good buddy of mine used to sell $2 billion in assets a year in that industry. He said, Jeffrey, you need to get a hold of the operations side first. So when I moved out to Tennessee, that's the first thing I did. I put a piece of dirt under contract in Franklin and for others. And Liberty Pike, with some buddies of mine at South Star. Couldn't get legs to it because the multifamily guy was way behind us. Sure. I ended up in Huntsville. And I built a $40 million asset. Me. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> a whole lot of other people. <laughs> Their equity, the builder. Sure. A fellow yeah. out of Boston that yeah. helped me put the, the deal together. It's up and running. It hasn't opened yet. They're behind, way behind in the construction cycle. Some of it because of COVID. And you bought that how long ago? 
started that project? You and I are really connecting back then. That was in 2015 when I bought the land. Okay. And uh, had the wrong operator, so we had to kind of repivot in 2017. So did you buy that land to learn the operations part like your No, boss? not at all. Got it. I'm a land junkie from the word go. The, the vision that I have that came out of Life Centers, uh, when I started that company out of California, Life Centers Communities, was focused almost solely at seniors' housing. How many Life Center communities are there? Uh, there is one. The one in California? The one, no, the one there in, in Hampton Cove. Got it. Or in uh, uh, Huntsville. Okay. And uh, it's a 183,000 square foot building. Uh, about 80. Let's see. There's 114,000 independent living, 50 assisted living. 36 memory care. It's a very detailed business. Uh, a lot of people in the multifamily space look to it because you get on an operation side, you get six, seven, sometimes eight percent management fee. So, from an operating business, cash flow is the bottom line. You already have that. That's your like worst case. Well, you know, most, most multifamily management companies are in a two and a half to three percent. People in the multifamily space look to that and say, gee, I want to be there. But we got 40 people on the staff, right. nurses and doctors, a lot of liability as we've experienced over the last 14 yeah, they, months. So just because I don't know tons about that type of asset, but sure. something like that, is that everything rented out for these people or is there any ownership within? None. It's all for rent. It's, it's expensive. It starts at $3,000 sure. a month. It goes up to seven or $8,000 a month. And I've seen the pictures. It's very niche. It's very. It's like a community. It's not like you're going to go and sit. You have yeah. stuff to do, places to go. People are moving around. Yeah. I'm assuming there's I know the commercial on there where people could do their hair and buy stuff. Is that kind yeah, of Yeah, you've got there? hair salons. You've got little cafes and restaurants and all of that good stuff inside this 180,000 square foot it's wow. it's a complicated asset. It really is. It's a lot of moving parts. Like a lot of moving parts. Probably, I mean, is do you view it as one business, or are they broken up into different sections? Like maybe you have your leases or your medical staff and how you pay them, and they get yeah. It's 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 a complete operating business. Wow. Even you know times three to what you would do with multiple. So that goes back to the operating business that you were yeah. talking about. Is the operation is that whole thing. It is. It is. And that's not something you can just learn by right. going to school and reading a book. <laughs> that's not. You've got to be intimately involved. My daughter works in the senior housing space. She did up until recently. She works in the health, health and wellness industry now. But uh, she, she really stepped in. I mean, occupancy is everything. Yeah. yeah. She stepped into the community in Franklin, took it from, I think, 68% occupancy to 93, 94, about a year. You don't break even until you get eighty-eight. Sure, it's pretty. It's a pretty demanding yeah. industry. Um, and I'm assuming that that is the cash flow piece of it. But I'm assuming it is. But but similar to multifamily, you'll get twenty-six to thirty percent IRR year on okay. year on year out. Yeah. And if you manage it well with the right operator, it it can create a huge amount of equity. And so, you can refinance it and keep going and take your money out, or you can sell it. Yeah, that was my next thing. So I guess the value of that, I mean, you definitely you redevelop it. So you do have that land value. You do have the building value. Is the value more in the asset or in the income with the operations? Like where is the highest and best for something like that? Because you would think even the property itself is worth 
a lot just to refinance the property without even having the income. Yeah, being a land junkie that I am, I always look at that and you crank it back down and say, how much can I take the land from here to here? Mm -hmm. And then you got a decision. Do I put that delta into the deal or do I step away? Right. And at my age, I'm stepping away, taking the money off the table. Sometimes I leave a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the land opportunity for that net residual land value is pretty strong. It's extraordinary, especially here in greater metro. So I, I feel like it's like a couple different things. Like, I mean, you knew how to, you already knew how to find the dirt. You already know how to evaluate yeah, the dirt. But then you had, gift there. Yeah. Right. But then you had to learn the operations of this because I'm assuming that you had to learn it and then either teach it to somebody else or you still have to do it. Yeah. The call I just got it just before we went on air here was from my buddy, Mike Hargrave up in Annapolis. He started his career 15 years ago, I think, with NICBAP, National Investment Council of Seniors Housing. And they're analyst people. They tell you how many seniors in the market, how many adult children, what are their incomes, what are their assets. It's much more involved on a discovery basis. Because, yeah, you have to almost plan for what's going to, 20 years is going to bring. Yeah. yeah. Plus. you got to know going in that you've got enough of a market there. Yeah. You know, and it's pretty detailed. But uh, my passion is about the dirt. And I look at it from the eye of the user as opposed to just doing a deal and making money. Right. You know, the one that we just finished in, at the Cove with, with uh, Adam Holiday, my wonderful, <laughs> extraordinary guy, you know, the monumental guy. We put, I put that under contract just before I met Adam, and we just closed last week. And the group can't discuss much about it, but the group that's building it is going to be amazing. It's just going to be a $70 million project. Yeah. Come on up against that anyway. It's a phenomenal project. So you got to look at it from the eye of the viewer. I tend not to just pick a site over here because I can build it and get it zoned. I try to do something with the eye of the resident so that they've got a quality of life. Yeah, and and that's how you have a longevity of it too. I think so. Because I, so. I mean, yeah, you could put something somewhere and it's great for a small time, but something like that when you're putting seventy million dollars into it, kind of think you want the longevity. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Greg uh, Lamarco says, he says, Jeffrey, let's pile up some cash and let's build these things for ourselves. Yeah. Greg's. Uh, I mean, you could refi out of that, take your share, and do. And now you're like, cool. Now I have my own cash to do whatever yes, I want. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And is that, so is something like that, this, I mean, like you said, it's probably mostly the same as multifamily. Is that something that you can do like a refi out every 5, oh, 10, 20 years? Yeah, I'm sure, right? you, you look to peg it from three to five years. You look at it like a merchant build mm-hmm. for an apartment building and say, now what's our decision matrix here? Or do we sell and take the money off the table or do we refinance and take the money back? And I guess it depends on your market research at that time, maybe a year before your balloons up, kind of, right? Well, I guess it depends on how conservative you are going in. Uh, Greg's philosophy is let's keep it at 60, 65% debt investing equity. We protect ourselves, make sure we drill the analytics of the market density and the absorption, all of those things on the front end so we've got room to breathe. And you know, 10 years from now, you'll be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these assets you bought two or three years ago. Oh, yeah. My goodness, look at what yeah. they're worth today. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they've doubled, some of them have doubled in value in two or three years. So let me brag on you a little bit. So I met you, it's been almost six years ago, yeah. brother. Yeah. And sitting in the basement of this old junkie rental in, in Franklin. Greg, you got a deal. 
Tallman, when are you going to pull the trigger? <laughs> well, yeah, because you were looking for flips. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, well, and then you're talking about 70 million. I'm like, wait a minute. Those are probably too, way too small for you and way too much work for the return. Well, I, you know, I've got a good buddy in, in Franklin, Zach McKinney. He is an expert finder. You no, know he's that. He's definitely he's, high he's, level. He's doing all of the wholesale paper stuff. And, yep. and uh, he got out of the expensive home building there in Franklin a couple of years ago. And so everybody has their gifts. I love the dirt side. I go on a hunt, you know. We've got a project now going again now in Huntsville, over in what they call the Chase Valley area, Trailhead. And that's 22 acres, a little bit of retail, and, and 336 units of multifamily. We've got one in Murfreesboro, one in Franklin, and we're looking at rural neighborhoods up in Clarksville. Sure. So, I mean, I'm assuming when you're just finding this stuff, you're just sitting on a map and you're clicking around areas that you... I do, but I do tend to drive it. You know, I remember 20 years ago when Google Earth came out, a guy in downtown San Diego calls us, you guys got to get down here and see this. I learned this land stuff back in the late 80s, the late 90s and the early 2000s. You don't have to kick dirt anymore. Look at this. I'm going to fly you over. We're going to... Oh, wait a minute. I don't buy nothing without kicking the dirt. So I still tend to go hunt. And sure. I've got a gift for it. I call it the Lord's gift. Just... Turn left and look at that. You know, like the house I built in Carlsbad. I was walking my dog one day. found a sign on the bush. Ended up with six and a half acres. Just six contiguous, contiguous and lots. That, and that's a huge thing you just said because when you're like, you know what, I actually drive it. You know what people don't do now? They don't drive. Yeah, yeah. They don't see the signs in the yards. They don't see all yeah. that stuff that's not on the market. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's huge value in that and there it's is. so easy to do there's some phenomenal people here in town when i hooked up with evan and i'd met evan when he was with ldg development up in louisville and I'd do some social circles and some mastermind things that i did with a doctor in, in huntsville and and then he got into his own gig and i i needed that knowledge and boy did evan teach me well it was packaging it up putting it right drone shots, all of those kinds of things, and do all the research. Evan and I got a lot of compliments from all the big boys who were chasing that particular asset. Yeah, we, you guys must be planning to build this. What happened? Because this is the best due diligence packet we've seen in a long time. It, we took our time. It took well, us a couple of months to get it together. Dude, that's huge it because is. due diligence package. Yes. Because, you know, I deal with a lot of smaller stuff like yeah. that, but... Uh -huh. The value in the property that you're is in that due diligence. Yeah. The more you've spent money on to find out, and the more research you've done, the more people you've talked to, further down the trail to permits instead yeah. of further yeah. it back. Yeah, yeah. That's where all yeah. the value is, and you can give a transparent property and yeah. It, here's my idea. Here's what I found to be highest and best use. And uh, Greg was really impressed with some of the work that I had done. He says, "Let me give you a guy." That I deal with, I think he's in Dallas, it'll help us run our performance to the nth degree. I mean, they're phenomenal. So we then bring our performance, we do our site planning, we bring people next to us as soon as we can, but the more data that they have, just as you said, the faster yeah. they can get vertical. That's what they yeah. want. They want the asset. Built. Because they, the people that are buying the initial purchase, they do not want to have the. They don't want to deal with the entitlement of the That's land. right. And it's not their expertise. Yeah, that it is a it certain is a, right. person yep. that it's a very analytical person. Somebody yep. that can do deals. I'm not great at that. 
Yeah. Someone like you is great at that. I have partners that are fantastic at that. I'm good at finding the deal. Yeah, yeah. That tends to be my gift as well. Yeah. Because I love looking for the deal. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, cast. Back to my old radio television days. Reminds me of my old recording days. I graduated college in broadcasting. Did you? <laughs> Working radio station old R&B station in Portland, Oregon for a while, and then ended up in television. And then got some fellow I met at church who was into the Amway back right? He was a real estate agent. And he says, on it, on it, on it. I said, look, I saw one of your listings over in Northeast Portland. You'll buy that little duplex for me for $6,000. I can hear Amway group. I did. Remodeled it in three months. Refinanced it to twenty six. I said, I'm in. <laughs> the heck with the Amway. Yeah. But uh, it was a it was a fun experience. So I, I did come up with a question. So I was thinking about this. You, when you're putting together that model, that operations yeah. model, do you have like a, something, a template to start with? Like how yeah, do you find tempted. all of those I do. It, it, yeah, thank you for asking because it's it's very crucial. You got to go to cash flow and models and all that. It's ten tabs wide. Well, yeah. I mean, even to know like the, every the little things you need for the operation, you have yeah. to pay for for yep. the hospitals yep. and the equipment. Yep. And because okay, well, here's this yep. segment of it. This is what this entails. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, you have to know all of those. I mean, you have to know all about your retail, the salons, the yep. operations of the doctors and the yep. offices and. Fortunately, you've got people like Mike Hargrave and others within the industry, the hospital and the senior housing industry, that bring that, that discipline. That so you're stuff. having a, you have to seek somebody that's done. You really do. You know, the right architect. We use Studio yeah. A out of Louisville. Yeah. We use a rock. I call him Dr. Mike, Mike Champsey up in, in Moline, Illinois. This guy is cool. He's a little bit younger than myself. He gets in his truck and he'll be in Huntsville in seven hours in Moline, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. <laughs> For a planning meeting, he, he does it all. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. I mean, you have to have that type of passion yeah. for something like that because you're going to do that one thing mm -hmm. for a very long time, and yeah. it's going to have tedious moments. And we learned early on that you you know Greg and I, when Greg was mentoring me 25 years ago, is you got to look at your title report, you got to know if you can finance it, and then hey, let's look at the soil. Soil can kill you. Soil could kill you, <laughs> and I'm glad you said look at the title report. You know, yeah. how many people do not. Ask for the abstract of title. I asked for one yesterday on property I'm closing tomorrow, and he looked like the vial was crazy. I'm like, no, I like to look through it because okay, yeah. you tell me it's got clear title. That's great. You, yeah. you can do that. But what about if there's any old easements, old plaques, yeah, yeah. um, old anything? There's what can so we many remove? times yeah, a billboard. Thing. Yeah, I just went through that. My buddy yeah. Paul negotiated lease releases on on two big yeah. billboards that the buyer didn't want to have. Yeah, I and mean, it creates a cloud on the title. You okay. can't have that. Well, even if it does, well, it may not cause a cloud for clear title, but it may stop you into doing something to develop the land that you didn't even know because it wasn't public record, but it was on title. Meaning, you know, maybe it wasn't on the GIS where you can look up the surveys and stuff. Like it was just maybe from a long time ago. Yeah. And then you got to go back to the rules. Utility easements, you know. Oh, yeah. Where sewers, mm -hmm. um, yep. storm drains, yep. stuff like that. And because that could stop you from moving forward with whatever you're trying to do. If you've got yeah. a huge easement in the way or something like that. Or, That's true. That's very you true. You know, there's multiple times where you see, we see pipes and stuff that you've got to, goes back to due diligence, but. Floaters. Nobody knows what a floater is. That means there's a lot of rock in the soil. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. rock is huge. I it's mean, huge, yeah. especially here in like, the Southeast. So for people out there that are trying to lock up dirt, I mean, 
my my advice is to make sure that you a have the money to spend on this due diligence you want to spend yeah, money. Really That's do. part of the value, you know. Some people we spend 20, 30, 40, 50 grand on plans and surveys and engineering from due diligence. Yeah. But that's also part of the value that you're adding to it. So maybe yeah. you're adding a zoning, but you're also only adding a usage, mm-hmm. you know, and Rezone, a year and a half and worth of their work is already done for them, but maybe yeah. they pay a premium. Yep. And why yeah. would they not? I would too. Yeah, exactly. They don't have time to do it. They don't that's want not their model. Their model is just permits to the end and they want to just be as fast yeah. as possible. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because they have, I mean, a lot more overhead. I mean, you, I mean, developing company, I mean, usually a few guys, it's cool, mostly partners, but when you've got subcontractors and, and a lot of families and food to put yeah. on the table, you've got to, and, you've and, got and, to give the right people to exactly. that so they can do that. And, and, keep and you know, and then when you're ready to go, do you choose to bring them on early if you can? And if you can't, you got to figure out a date on which you're going to take it back to market. I got my, my behind chewed out of here a few months ago. In our last project, because I didn't move it to the market quick enough, I learned that lesson. Well, what do you mean to the market quick? Well, enough? I was ready to go, and I, well, I like these guys. Let's let's engage with these. Oh, guys. like a like a broker. Well, Adam Clank here in town Got with, with Capstone, yep. one of the best of in course. the whole southern part of the United States. He's phenomenal. Uh, yep. There's another guy down in Huntsville, Eric Hardison. Yeah, just phenomenal people, and and they know that market, and they know how to bring buyers to the table. So you got to make that decision. Fairly soon in that process. Yeah. You know, you I, almost have otherwise, to, you're going to be writing a check for the land. Well, yeah. Plus, you almost have to work multiple exit strategies at yeah. the same time. It's you like sure A, do. B, and C. It's like, you know, yeah. and you have to use that deposit and that due diligence time yeah. frame as your, your metrics. Yeah. It's like, by this time, I have to do this, this, or this. Yeah. You know? So, I'll tell you a quick story. <laughs> <clears throat> we were, we're getting ready to build a 312 unit in Huntsville with Greg and I and my buddy Paul. And... We got all of the paperwork done. The deal was starting to wobble a little bit. And he says, Jeffrey, I think you missed these permits. I mean, a budget of $320,000 for the permits, greetings, vertical, all of it, the whole permit cycle. No, I don't think so. <laughs> he says, well, I'm going to challenge you because I think you did. So I said, well, let me call my buddy Travis over at the city of Huntsville. He says, you can call him? I says, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Travis, how you doing? <clears throat> to share with Greg, the cost of what this is going to cost to get this permit for you goes with the Yeah, about $300,000. We hang up. Greg calls me back. He says, Jeffrey, that same project in San Diego County would be eight to $10 million in fifty Connection fees. On, 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 on. That's what makes California so expensive. All the impact fees on everything. Oh, everything. So much per door. $20,000 a yeah. door. Just goes to the agency. City, yeah. County, whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point is like when you're doing your research and looking for dirt, I yeah. mean, you need to know yep. the rules and regulations of that yep. municipality. You do. You do. You know, impact fees, yeah. you know. And they, you got to have a passion for it. I, you do. You have to love it because yeah, you're going to be 71 years old. I love it. I yeah. love it every day. I get up by 30. I'm at the desk yeah. working, getting out, looking at stuff. You know. That's awesome. It's cool. We just created a, a, a private contract with it. Yeah, it's handling all of our marketing and our project management roles. She spent 21 years as a pastor's wife. She is rock solid. I had no idea she knew how to do digital creation with our websites, but she came out and her face is just amazing. And uh, on that team. That's awesome. So we use Studio A, Architects, right. out of Louisville, 
phenomenal right? the is, do these, he challenges you all the time do these engineers have like minimums like look I, I only do 20 million projects in hour. well some do some do but Dean's very very competitive you know it can run two to three percent of the of the total sticks and bricks cost of the yeah. building uh, most architects are twice that um, you know that's architectural and structural genesis engineering out of Franklin uh, CW okay. they bought this cool building, a little story for a second. Uh, it's called the Bennett House in downtown Franklin. Y'all are young enough to remember Veggie Tales. Remember the Veggie Tales cartoon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. the girls do. <laughs> well, this building is where they filmed it, and CW bought the building and remodeled it, and it is really cool. <laughs> That's cool. You know, when COVID hit, it was like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I don't know about y'all, but we had just went. Irregardless of COVID, I know CW has. So was Studio I had Lab. like a two week period where it was just dead silent. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, by the way. So and you know what's so cool about it is we're rethinking how we do business. We're rethinking about how we serve Every the resident time. or the client or the community. If you have it's to think awesome. five and ten years yeah. in advance you what do. you're doing now, like if you're doing something. That is modeling what other people are doing, or you've already done. You already know you're going to be behind. Yeah. You have to every year have to be like, yeah. what is going to be, what is changing, and that's a huge thing too. And that's also like a, a gut check of like, well, yeah. you know, is my business just good because I've taken advantage of the market, or did I actually build a business? Yeah. You know, the people that are still around, yeah. you know, they. You know, I'm not obviously with. You know, mandates with re this is not include the service industry or anything like that. I saw horrible things in the Great Recession. A good buddy of mine, he's now in Norway, Ken, he worked for a company called Mammoth Equity in Southern California. And they were doing about $150 million a year in office product. When that company went out, the fellow who owned it, with gold all over his arm and 20,000 square foot homes in Vegas, mm -hmm. Southern California, Orange County, you name it, he was living in an apartment building. Like that, just done. Yeah. I don't think that'll ever, you never say well, but you don't think it'll happen again. I'm not real happy with where our country's going socially and other things, politically, especially, you know, because I'm an American, I'm Republican, you know, not to <laughs> I mean, you just promote to do my your beliefs thing. here, but, sure. but I do believe that, that we have to get some foundations that care for people that are balanced with, with commerce. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, so, see what's coming out of it. I mean, you were just telling me about the Great Recession. Yeah. Do you see any similarities now that people should look out to, especially in the real estate market? Yeah. Well, you know, we look at it every day. Um, at least I sure do. You know, we, is there going to be a bubble? Is there going to, especially Pam and I are looking yeah. to buy a house. Right. I'm not going to pay $350,000 a square foot for right. a house in Franklin. I tried to talk to you into moving the answer, but all the grandbabies are here. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> My granddaughter owns a, Kick-ass cool salon right in downtown on Music Row. Really nice place. Um, anyway, I we look at it all the time, but when you look at the growth projections, whether it's here or in Huntsville, Huntsville's three or four or five years behind Nashville. Right. But when you get there, especially you having been, put all of your efforts here in this town, go downtown. You'll see, you know, Second Avenue. You'll see all of these things that are going on in Huntsville. It's, and when I first went there, Greg, what was that, six plus years ago? I called Nick Mapp, the analyst group out of Annapolis. Oh, Jeff, you don't want to go there. They're all second rate, third rate 
see your product, nobody's going to hunt. Well, they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the analysts. You know, yeah. They thought they knew. It's, it's a very cool city. And there's a lot of activity there, especially for So you think like the, we, the difference now is the growth we have of the amount of population? I think it's, it's a lot of things. And when you look at what's happened to our country in the last 12 months, put all politics and all of the drama. You know, I've, my family's heavily vested in, in the cultural aspects of, of color and race and all of that because of our relationships with sons-in-laws and grandsons-in-laws and all of that that have those cultural backgrounds. Put all of that aside. COVID has changed people's focus on health and wellness. Yes. It really has. And so you got all these folks coming down from Detroit or Chicago or New York. My, uh, Florida is exploding right now because of the exit. Yeah. California, people are exiting. Yeah. California's going to a 16.5% income tax. Yeah. 16. <laughs> oh, crazy. You know. We good? <laughs> oh, the dog. <laughs> hey, pup. He likes to eat himself. <laughs> but yeah, I don't see a, a, you know, a bubble. Yeah, I feel like, and it, somebody asked me this the other day. Obviously, I've never been in the Great Recession, but here's my philosophy, my uneducated opinion. But I feel like that banks are not going to lend for 30 years if they feel like they're going to be taking the properties back in 30 years. Right. So why would banks be lending to be lending at all right now. They saw where they were going to have to take all these properties back. They don't want to do that, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, Well, you know, you're young. You, you haven't looked through it. I, correct. I, I can tell you one thing. The banks don't want the properties, but they created part of the problem. Yes, absolutely. From 2000 to 2007. Yes. The market in California was pretty much over in 2005. It didn't hit here until, what, 2009? Oh, 2009. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you see what happened then, and, and our country was so loose with money, and you could get money for anything. Right. 125% of yeah, <laughs> yeah, LTVs and everything. Stuff. Yeah, crazy. Um, a fellow that publishes a, a book called Timing the Real Estate Market. I'll send you a copy of it. He doesn't publish the book for any other market in San Diego. He's 76 years old. When you see a picture of him, you think he's maybe 50 very health conscious, very physical. But he looks at four or five key components to really assess residential. He doesn't look at commercial or any other assets. And they're just common sense things. And then he tracks it to watch for it, you know. When I look back at what happened in 08, I should have saw it coming. I should have saw it coming. I'm, I'm in the market every day. I'm looking at it. I had a 165-unit apartment building, a condominium for sale product entitled and ready to go. Had the buyer in. It was, uh, was it Horton? I think it was Horton. Then it went to a next step down and next. It was like $4 million. It went from $4 million purchase price on the land to three, to 2.4, and all of a sudden I had the buyer. In a matter of three or four months, five months, it was crazy. You know, you see that kind of stuff happen. And I should have saw it coming the year before because there were other properties in the area that uh, were going through the same thing. Yeah, I mean, do you see that now? No, I do not. I see just the reverse. Yeah. City of Huntsville has, you can talk to the mayor, the chamber, you can talk to any of the people there in the city staff. There are companies across this country that are holding off moving their corporate headquarters to Huntsville because they're in a 
Now that's going to put me a lot of competition. I think it's going to be awful. <laughs> yeah, but it's a beautiful good city. Competition, though, yeah. yeah, good competition. Yeah, it's a good city. Uh, there's there's certain understanding that market. A good buddy of mine, a mentor of mine, the South Star, Dan Wilson, said, Jeffrey, I respect the fact that you stick with a given market and you really understand it. They're a regional company, so they're all over the Southeast. Uh, That's huge, too. Yeah, it is huge. When you understand the market and you track it, you can see those things coming. And sometimes you got to trust your gut, just that instinct. This, this makes sense. Yeah, it's true. That's really point that you say that because you know like beginning of was it last year i was like i'm not buying anything for the rest of the year a month later i'm back to normal you know because it's like oh man it just felt like it was the right thing to do yeah i mean I, you know once you get into investing and you just keep doing it a lot of i mean you're only doing the maybe the same thing over and over again there's only yeah, yeah. you know 10 or 20 different things you can do yeah, right yeah, yeah. um so it's like you just i lost my well, let me give you some in input. You know, one of the things that I've watched Evan do over the last couple of years, because he's only been in business on his own for a couple of years. Number one, he comes from great family stock. He's a phenomenal guy. Got a lot of training from LDG, the best in affordable housing. Yeah, if y'all want a training, intensely <laughs> get a hold of monumental guy. For sure. he'll, he'll plug you in. Yeah. Cost you a little bit, but it's worth it if that's if those check boxes and yeah. earning fees is what you want to do in multifamily. Yeah. But he's building a business. Now at 30 years old, where did he learn the discipline to do that? He spent seven years watching it done. Mm -hmm. So he's actively building a business that's yeah. going to last a lifetime. Yeah. I'm excited for he and his fiance, Jeanette. They're just phenomenal people. Because you've got to build a business with infrastructure, control systems, and reporting. Yeah. Greg's done that for yeah. a number of years, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. You've got to you see have, his reports to his investors. It has yes. to be measurable. It has to be measurable. You know, and... Yeah. You know, and then you have to build your business where you're not everything. You're, like for me, you know, everything is necessary. You know, we don't overspend on, we don't overbuy on properties just to get a deal. We don't yeah. buy things yeah. that have one exit strategy. You know, you know, you still, no matter where the market is, you have to buy. You have to buy right. Yeah. Because that's where all your value is going to come. So I'll ask you a question. You came here about six years ago, right? Um, I've been here since 2009, got real estate at 2015. Yeah. So what things did you do when you came here? You virtually had no market knowledge here at all. No, zero. Yeah. What, what I do? Because you really, you were all about making action. Do it now. Do it now. Well, that's kind well, of the big now. thing is taking massive action for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but when I first got here, so 2009, that's why I came here because uh -huh. I was an electrician in 2009 in Florida. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're laughing. Oh my because I was making that's awesome. 70, 80 grand a year to 12 grand a year in like two or three months, you know? Wow. And um, I was, you know, I was also at other crossroads in my life with my relationship. So, like, this is just one thing, but now it's like, okay, now is probably a good time to just let it all go, <laughs> you know? So I had I bought a house for two sixty six thousand square feet, stupid new build, and short sold eighteen months later for sixty k. I did a short sale. So what I did was I, I knew I was gonna once I you know that you follow your instinct. If I would have waited yeah. a couple months, I would have sold this whole thing too. Yeah. But I bought the house. I was like, this is awesome. You know, I'm making great money. And then yeah, yeah. I don't know that this whole bottom is coming out. Nobody, you know, yeah. or people are paying attention to it. 
So, so, so you show up in Nashville. Well, so yeah, I, I purposely knew I, was, I knew I was gonna do a short sale, right? right. So I immediately started stop it, stopping my payment and just banking all of the taxes, insurance, and all my all that stuff. Keep money in the bank. Yeah. So I left there, and then yes, I came to Nat. I took all that money and I came here. Wow. Wow. Um, and I knew I didn't want to be an electrician because I didn't want to do any more. I didn't want to do the physical part of it, you know, because right, right. it was just it hurts. It's just painful to do physical labor, you know, <laughs> lifting heavy real wall rolls of wire and walking on. It just it's intense amount of work for sure. Um, and I got here and I, I didn't really know what to do. Um, I worked at restaurants, played some music, you know, um, and I just kind of floated through 2010 to like 2014, 15. Really? Yeah. yeah. I just, you know, I kept working great <laughs> restaurant jobs yeah, and I'm sure, making two, three hundred bucks a night. Yeah. And I, I bet I had no debt. I stayed with a friend. Yeah. I had no debt, you know, because that house, I left it. Oh. You know, actually, my credit was still good because I did a settlement. So yeah. it was like yeah. awesome. And yeah. I had the cash that I saved. And then I was making great money. So I got wow. my truck. And I'm like, okay, so now what do I do? Right. It's like, okay, A, you know, it's, it's great to have a great job, but I need a retirement. You know, I don't want to. Yeah serve tables for right. I mean that's what I did. Serve tables manage restaurants and Wow. You know, I mean it's a backstory that I haven't heard yet. Oh yeah. I mean we cool. I mean it was just it was fun. Was was it fun? It was fun. But you it, were what, about twenty eight? No, know, I moved here when I was thirty. I'm forty two okay. now. So you're forty two now. Oh you look good. Yes. Um and I was just follow your gut. I was like, you know what? I don't know I don't know anything about real estate. I was like, but you know what that that's a test I could take. <laughs> so I, I took the start taking the classes and my job that I was at was phenomenal they took me off the schedule I could just work when I wanted and I'd come in early and I studied before my shift every day and I stay after right. I kept taking the tests and all that stuff I learned everything I had to learn I took the test and I was like oh I passed okay now what I do you know, I was like cool find a brokerage awesome how do I do that well I met some dude at some event that said he was a broker he was really just him living with his mom but he had a broker's license and I joined up yeah, yeah, he like hid from everybody where he lived and stuff. We found he was living with his parents, and like we had another girl who was like, you know, working with us, and I guess they were dating, and there was a lot of it. Just became drama <laughs> to the point where Ooh, I just dropped and left at that point. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I got into it. It's just really a gut feeling, you know. Yeah. And still now, I, I, so what drove you to fix and flip? And buy I never, so I haven't fixed and flipped anything yet, guys. No, no flips. I'll I'll turn my rentals or do like. Like the tower, I'm doing a fourplex right now. It's the biggest renovation I ever did. You know, wow. four units, roof HVACs. Wow. I, I just don't, I just don't, that's just you not my, my model, you know. You yeah. uh, I kind of just got into wholesaling right away. Right. right away. I learned that about before retail. Well, that's a good place to start because yes. it gets you cash flow. Well, not only that, but it gets you thinking different than everybody else. That's true. Because, I mean, to this day, there's realtors that can, can tell you how wholesale deal they've done. Business 40, 50, 60 years. You'll walk into a building and you know every penny, don't you? On a, on, when you're going to rehab it. You've got four, four units you're doing right now. But oh, you right. walked in right then and said, I know pretty much where I'm So go. I'm not really good at saying I, I can tell you that, but I know the person sitting next to me that I work with does tell me all that. Where so I think it go? goes to like, you know, I don't want to know. I don't want to know how much everything costs. I want to know what it's going to cost after they send me some bids and I look at bids. And I know the general, sure, you know, sure. but I'm not, I, I can sit there and put a Lowe's list together and wait on deliveries. This didn't come in, call this guy, where's this on this truck? I, I just, there's too many small moving parts for me. You know, right. I'd rather just get the deal and then wait for all that to be done and sell it, you know, or wholesale it or whatever. 
I got into rental houses in 1981, maybe two. Interest rates were 26%. <laughs> it was 20 something and traveling up in what would be a red line district of Portland, Oregon. Now it's hot space to be because it's right on the river downtown, right over there. Yeah. But it Union Avenue then and MLK Boulevard and I bought 17 houses from a bank and they actually paid me $2,500 to pay the tax. <laughs> You know, right time of the year, the taxes. And I take these houses in, and I had all these homeless people doing the work. And even my son at the time would go out on jobs during the summer. He was just a kid. He could outwork all of the homeless guys. And you got to be careful because you know, the next day they don't show up paying cash. I'm one guy that would travel and sleep in each unit to fix them up. We get this one house, and I knock on the door. And nobody answered, so I just kind of walked in because I heard some music playing. Guy came out with a gun. Who the heck are you? Right? There's a motorcycle in pieces in the living room floor. It's, you know, the river is right over here. It's beautiful. The house is a mess. <laughs> and, uh, I just bought the house. He's, oh, oh, you want the rent? <laughs> <laughs> well. Maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I chuckled and I said, he said, just a minute, just a minute. He goes in and he gets this wad of cash. Hands it to me, he's there. He says, that catches me up. He says, I don't want to move. I looked at him, it was like eight or ten months worth of rent. I called Vic at the bank. He's, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know about it. <laughs> it's your money, you keep it. <laughs> and it was it was the red line. Prostitute row, you know, I had this big old Cadillac convertible and I preached the gospel to these girls just moving them from one corner to the next. I thought I was crazy. <laughs> it was quite an experience. But that gave me the real estate fund that we did. And we built that asset pays up to 65 pieces of real estate, some of them 12 units, some of them yeah. duplexes, whatever, and relocated to Studio City in LA. Nineteen eighty six. That's a good time to get to LA. Yeah, it was an interesting time to be in LA. Yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. love to be. I was a kid then, you know, yeah. and I would love to like experience that whole thing oh, in the eighties. Uh, you know, the the whole Hollywood thing was dangerous. My daughter's gorgeous. She's still gorgeous. She's fifty years old. She's amazing. But back then, she was a teenager. Dad, I can't dance anymore. She was jazz ballroom, all of that stuff. Kid lured me out of soccer. <laughs> he says, oh, I take some acting classes. So I'm managing a bunch of apartment buildings for a guy in, in Studio City all across the San, San Fernando Valley. And, okay, I'll get off work for Let's take you down there, down down to Colonial Boulevard, right off the Sunset Strip, and walk into this old junky house. Well, okay, Bob, here's my daughter. Here's my $6 for, for nice lessons and acting classes and stuff. Well, you can leave. Paris, no, I'm not leaving my little girl here. <laughs> Hollywood back then was a no. It was a mess. And over a season of time, he says, "Well, I'll tell you what. Sit in the office and the phone rings. Just answer it." She comes out after class and says, "How'd it go?" I says, "Well, I got three people signed up." He goes, "What?" I said, "Yeah." So I work every evening. 
when I take my dogs three nights a week, I think, well, I can do my day gig. And uh, one day, in walks Corey Feldman, Corey Hayne. Those folks, all of a sudden, back to the dog. Bob Feldman, Corey Feldman, Wendy Feldman. <laughs> so Bob says to me one day, he says, Jeff, Corey wants to be a, a, a rock star. And he's, he's, he's doing his breakout thing at Penn Beach's Theater this afternoon, on Saturday afternoon. Want to bring the kids? I said, sure. You go there, here's Michael Jackson off in the corner. Here's Corey trying to pretend that he's Michael. <laughs> it was crazy time. Corey Feldman still lives in the same community as my son. <laughs> the stories I can tell. That is nuts. That's nuts. That's so did you get to talk to Michael Jackson? No. Met Elvis once when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah, we, we got married in November of 70. Saw Elvis in 73 and then in 76. In 76, a buddy of mine was a really good guitar player. And he used to sub for Jim Burton when Elvis was when Jim was sick or whatever. And it wasn't. It was just, hey, how are you? Line of people. But that's okay. That's pretty cool. Mickey Rooney. Ty Ganders was a dear friend of mine. Ty Ganders was the police captain in Mod Squad and all of those police shows back in the day. And Ty, Ty was a wonderful, wonderful trained thespian actor in New York and a wonderful artist, a painter, a rock art. He became very wealthy in television and he started buying real estate and building subdivisions. Very expensive. Put his son through architectural school, met him on Ocean Boulevard in Santa Monica, left in the ocean. That's awesome. Interesting experiences, this old man's life. Yeah. Well, thank. I mean, thanks for sharing all these stories. Yeah, knowledge yeah. for sure. I mean, a lot yeah. of people can find value. It's. it's I, I hope so. Oh, yeah. We'll link in each other. Absolutely. And, uh, I look forward to it. This is my first time with this. It's been fun. Yeah. So how can people get a hold of you? How can they find you? Um, it's Jeff at Mid-South Land Dev, two Ds in the middle, dot com. Okay. We'll have that in the links for sure. And then um, Jeff Tallman, T-A-L-L-M-A-N on Facebook yeah. and everywhere else. I, yeah, family-wise on Facebook. I don't sure. do the marketing that okay. you guys do, but uh, and LinkedIn a little bit. Uh, sure. Our business is kind of very closely held. And, yeah. You know, Pam and I own Mid-South. Uh, Paul and Greg and I formed a company called JPG Partners, so we're doing multifamily pretty aggressively. JPG, you probably got my cold call, so I think you guys are on my list. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so familiar, doesn't yeah. it? JPG? <laughs> so if you hear of a call from a, a, an REI company, it's probably us. <laughs> it's probably you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Thanks Thank again. You. Thanks again. Blessings. Always good to see you. Yes, yes. It's wonderful to see you too.